Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of The Hook and Ladder with Hardy and Oates. This is episode number five, and this is the Rapid Rundown. A young college football player was found dead at the age of 22. More details on that later in the show. An NBA player's parents are battling the coronavirus. One of them is even in a induced, a medically induced coma. Uh, in the audience poll, this is some BS, but Oates' team came out on top uh, with our starting NBA starting fives, our all-time starting fives. Uh, so we're going to settle it another way. Stay tuned. Trevor Lawrence and his girlfriend are allowed to revive their coronavirus GoFundMe page, which is excellent news. Uh, we're going to take a closer look at the Dallas Cowboys roster situation. The NCAA has released their preseason top 25 polls. We're going to dive into that. And the NFL power rankings have come out after free agency. And last but not least, uh, one of the... Uh, Pro Leagues is making medical masks and gowns for doctors and nurses on the front lines of this pandemic. Uh, That's the rundown of episode five. We'll be right back after these short messages. All right, welcome back, guys. This is the Hook and Ladder with Hardy and Oates. Again, episode five. We're going to jump in today with kind of an unfortunate uh, story that's coming out of Pullman, Washington, where uh, Washington State senior safety Bryce Beekman uh, was found dead uh, at the age of 22. Uh, de- uh, more details have come out about it. Uh, Basically, according to a daily activity log, Pullman police responded uh, to a 5.44 p.m. phone call from an apartment. Uh, They would later confirm it belonged to Beekman. The call was listed on the activity log as breathing problems. But unfortunately, once police arrived, Beekman uh, was already dead um, again when they arrived on the scene. So uh, Oates, just really unfortunate news, uh, especially one that hits close to home for us. Uh, You know, that's our local team. Yeah, exactly. So uh, prayers and thoughts go out to uh, his family and his friends and his teammates. Um, so, yeah, just really unfortunate news. It's really uh, sad when anybody uh, has something like that happen. It's unfortunate, and hopefully we can they can get to the bottom of what exactly happened and what the situation was. Yeah, police came in and said that it's going to take roughly two to three months for the coroner, uh, coroner's office to figure out what happened uh, to Bryce. Um, but there are people wondering, maybe he succumbed to the coronavirus. He was visiting family on spring break in New Orleans uh, a few weeks ago before he came back to Pullman. Um, so yeah, the, certainly the rumors are swirling and people are kind of, it, it's a scary time, you know, in this pandemic. Yeah, and it's, it's, a, it's a sad thing and we don't want to uh, make conjectures and things like that. But um, yeah, just really, really sad news and um Hopefully we can they can get to the bottom of it and once they find it out if it was in fact uh, what people are suggesting it was uh, everybody who's been in contact with him can uh, get the support that they need and make sure that they're getting in and getting checked um, because you know people who have uh, breathing problems already asthma and things like that are at risk so uh, yeah sad news um, you know as well as more more news along those lines as well as breathing problems go Carl Anthony Towns uh, his mother is placed in medically du- induced a coma or a medically induced coma, rather. So uh, more sad news there as uh, she's been fighting that for a little while and they thought that they would be able to turn a corner, but uh, they haven't been able to do that. So thoughts and prayers out to their family as well. Yeah, uh, on the on, on, as far as good news goes, that's tied to that story is his father was released from the hospital and allowed to go home under medical quarantine. So he's just stuck at home. Uh, to a lot of us guys, that probably sounds like uh, heaven, just uh, hanging out and... You know, being just being able to stay at home, but unfortunately, because of their circumstances, you know, I'm sure he's fret with worried. Carl Anthony Towns got on Instagram and put up a very emotional uh, post where just wants people to take this uh, situation seriously, listen to the medical experts, and uh, yeah, just do what you're told. Really, at a time like this. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, everybody out there, you know, for. Just remember that if you're young and you're healthy, uh, that doesn't mean that everyone you come in contact with is young and healthy. So 
we're all trying to do our due diligence and do our part to make sure that our loved ones and uh, our family members and our friends stay healthy. Oh, heck, even yourself today had, had to stay home from work and, uh, you know, just to be on the safe side. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I've i got two young young kids and uh, as well as I, uh, I, I live in a parsonage, which is a, basically a house apartment building that is attached to our, not attached, but on the same property as our church, my dad's pastor. So... Yeah, we are we are just trying to be on the safe side, um, and uh, so all you people stuck working at home, we're with you. We feel you, even <laughs> though Garrison is brave and he walks into the uh, the infested, the infested streets. He's brave, and we we appreciate him because he is essential. Oh, exactly, exactly. Um, <clears throat> moving on, going to a little bit more uh, interesting news that came out today. Trevor Lawrence. And his girlfriend were allowed to resume their GoFundMe page for uh, uh, those affected by the coronavirus, which is good news. Um, but then this quote that Trevor posted was kind of interesting. Uh, let me let me read it really quick. Uh, quote, I'm sure some of y'all have seen some of the crazy stuff on Instagram and Twitter about the NCAA and what we were trying to do with GoFundMe. We just wanted to say that it wasn't necessarily the NCAA doing anything bad. They weren't trying to stop us from helping raise money for this cause. It was just more their rules that were in place that our compliance department was following just to make sure uh, that there were clear uh, that it Oh, whoa, excuse me, that we were in the clear as Clemson as an organization and we were doing the things the right way. We weren't necessarily going exactly by the rules, so we had to take it down. Uh, we were just trying to make sure we were okay. We reached out to the NCAA. Thank you all so much for granting a waiver. They're allowing us to raise money now to continue to raise money for what we were doing originally. We're going to take time to think about how we're going to restart it back up. It's similar to last time what we were doing before. We're going to take the night and come up, uh, come, or excuse me, and some of tomorrow to figure out exactly what we want to do and to be as efficient to help as many people as possible. So it sounds like it wasn't the NCAA that swooped in and told them to stop. It sounds like you were right. You called it Clemson, put the brakes on it, um, which begs the question though, should institutions be that afraid of the you know the governing body yeah the i mean absolutely we've seen we've seen what they what they do um they're they're no strangers to bringing down the hammer on people uh that's for sure they've stripped titles away from people taken heismans away from people for for infractions so uh definitely when you're dealing with a a character like Trevor Lawrence and if he asks the community to join him in raising money he's got a lot of people interested in joining him in doing that so uh, as I had mentioned in a previous episode uh, it was probably a compliance officer probably someone on staff that works closely with the NCAA rules and says hey this is dangerous don't do this you know we just want to make sure that we can have you eligible Trevor so yeah, but it's good leadership by him to see him uh, not only uh, reaching out to the NCAA, getting the waiver, uh, but taking the time to plan and execute in ways that are compliant with the NCAA and not just rushing back to throw it back up. So Yeah, and I think this kind of uh, touches on a bigger picture with regards to uh, the situation all of us are facing today. You look at uh, Trevor Lawrence, he's reaching out and helping uh, lots of sports stars across the world of sports, not just sports. I shouldn't just limp, you know, I don't want to indict people who aren't in the world of sports, but you look in the world of soccer, uh, you have stars all across Europe reaching out and helping out, uh, supplying funds for those uh, battling this disease. Uh, and then uh, here we just saw Drew Brees today and his wife donated $5 million to corona, uh, coronavirus efforts. So uh, it's just really a positive that it's situations like these that seem to bring humanity together. Yeah, and um, you know, it's very interesting that these athletes are having to do this. I mean, our government passes a stimulus bill and uh, athletes are the ones donating to hospitals, but... It is what it is. It is what it is. I'm exactly. glad to see people with good hearts doing good things, trying to help people and make sure that we don't ever reach a point like Italy and have too many people sick. Then we have ventilators and respirators. So, yeah. Yeah, time will tell. It's a very fluid situation. But uh, we're going to take another quick break here before we move on to talk about the Dallas Cowboys and their roster situation. Stay tuned.
Uh, we're live, James. Aren't you going to do your fun little movie quote? It's a fire alarm! Don't you know the building is on fire? Ladies and gentlemen, Arnold Schwarzenegger in studio. <laughs> and uh, that's his commentary on what's happening with the Dallas Cowboys. I don't know if I 100% agree with his synopsis, but uh, let's take a look at the roster and uh, see the situation there. We all know that they have Zeke, Dak, and they've locked Amari Cooper up to one of the most lucrative wide receiver contracts uh, that we've seen. And uh, but on the bad, on the downside, they've just lost their uh, All-Pro safety in uh, Travis Fredrickson. I think that's how you say his name. Uh, and they've also lost, you know, some key pieces in the secondary during free agency. Uh, James, when you look at this roster, it, does Dallas have enough? They added Gerald McCoy uh, from the Carolina Panthers at defensive tackle. That'll boost them a lot, you know, quite a bit. Uh, especially you look at that front four. They've got some pretty good weapons, Demarcus Lawrence especially. And then they've got some good linebackers as well. But when you see the Dallas Cowboys, do you think that they are a threat in the NFC? Um, I think that they're going to be a good team. It's just a matter of if teams that established themselves last year can maintain. Um, uh, when I look at this roster, do I think uh, defensively they'll be able to do the same things that the 49ers are going to do? I don't. I can't say that that's true. Here you go again do with the, the Niners. Do, yeah, I'm a 49ers fan, you know. And for <laughs> all the Cowboys fans out there, we have a question for you guys uh, as the Cowboys. It's not yeah. working. Oh, of Only course. My last, I was supposed to say something funny and witty. Yeah, good old technology. So much for technology. Anyways, um, really I think that the, they're they're going to be a good team. Do I think they're going to be, be enough? Maybe with, with these new playoff spots, they might get one. Uh, but do I think they're going to be the dominant force in the NFC? No. But I think they're going to be a good team. On the plus side for the Cowboys, you look at their division. You've got the Washington Redskins, who definitely are not going to be ready to be much competition, I think, at this point. Uh, especially when you look at Dwayne Haskins. What a dumpster fire there. No, I'm kidding. I just know you <laughs> believe in Dwayne Haskins, so I had to say that. Uh, you look at the Philadelphia Eagles. They're kind of in, I don't want to say rebuilding mode, but they're they're moving pieces around, and there's, it's going to be, we don't know how trying the Eagles. To, trying to find that identity again. It feels like they've uh, been struggling to find it. They've had receivers that you know can't even catch the ball, so I'm sure they're not worried about the coronavirus. <laughs> oh. But uh, anyways, oh. no, I think they're just struggling to find that identity again. Uh, you know, they were kind of a team of destiny when they won that Super Bowl, but since then, I haven't seen that same team, even mentality-wise. So, interesting to see how they bounce back. And then you look at the New York Giants as well. They're they're moving back in the right direction. It seems like they've got, you know, some a bit of a foundation in the works, uh, especially with Saquon Barkley. Uh, Daniel Jones, I actually thought, was pretty impressive, you know, for his first year in the league. Um, but, again, they're just not there yet. So, you look at that division, and you'd think the Cowboys should have a chance with the roster and the pieces that they have to win that division, I don't know how impressive a record we're talking, but... Right, yeah, absolutely. I think the division is definitely possible. Um, being the number one seed, I don't know about that. It's, it's going to be tough, you know what I mean? Uh, especially uh, when you, you just look around the NFC and so many pieces being added uh, to all the teams, so... Yeah, and you look at, uh, with Dak Prescott's situation, a report came out today uh, from Dak, or a source close to Dak, that uh, he said the contract negotiations were not at all um, contentious by any means, uh, but they just could not get to a number they agreed on. If you're the Dallas Cowboys, is Dak Prescott a guy that you pay top dollar for? I think, I think that this is a really good uh, year to franchise tag him, make him play for his money. You know, so I think it's a good move by them. Uh, I think that Dak could be a guy you pay a lot of money, um, but right now they haven't been able to see the playoff success that they want to see. They haven't been able to see uh, necessarily everything they want to see, but Dak has showed a lot of good things. Don't get me wrong. He's really performed well um, and been pretty consistent with other quarterbacks you look at in his class that have been inconsistent. He's been consistent. So I would say that Dak could definitely be a quarterback you pay a lot of money to. So $30 million a year, for instance, like the Cowboys offered him, it's, I guess he wanted more than that. Yeah, um, I, th I think that 
hindsight, looking back, if he doesn't play as well as he needs to this year, he's going to really wish he would have taken that money. <laughs> he shot himself uh, in the foot. Yeah, exactly. Uh, getting your hand stuck in the cookie jar. But I do think, um, as a as a quarterback especially, you have to have confidence. You have to be willing to bet on yourself right at the right time. Joe Flacco, one of the famous quarterbacks who bet on himself and went out and won a Super Bowl and then in turn got a humongous contract. Now, he didn't perform very well since then. Uh, you know what I mean? But really... When it's contract year, we see a lot of people perform really, really well. Um, I guess the worst case scenario would be to just get tagged over and over and over again. But um. yeah, no, and uh, I've I, I've listened to other analysts give their take on it, and uh, you know, it said if there was a team out there that wanted to pay the guy thirty-seven million, let him walk. You know, because that's if that's that's what they want to pull the trigger on, go for it. To me, Dak Prescott is uh, he's an interesting player. He's got the ability to move around, uh, use his feet, kind of like uh, Russell Wilson. I don't know, necessarily know if he's as good at avoiding contact as Russell Wilson, but again, he can get out of the pocket, make things happen. To me, though, he's never blown me away with his passing accuracy um don't get me wrong he's put up numbers and uh gotten the ball down the field when he needs to but uh i'm kind of in the same boat as the cowboys i haven't seen that whoa he has he hasn't given me that wow factor through the air so i think that's what uh, jerry jones is waiting to see and uh, i guess we're gonna have to do the same as they get ready for a 2020 campaign um but that 2020 campaign could be delayed. This isn't in our talking points, but according to reports, NFL owners are uh, pretty worried that the season's going to get pushed back as far as the start date because of this pandemic. Yeah, and uh, that's an interesting thing. Obviously, everyone's hoping we can get back to normal as soon as possible. The goal is obviously to keep the situation below the threshold of hospital beds and hospital equipment, which right now we are below it, uh, but the... the as doctors have explained, uh, just so some of you understand, the bump itself doesn't mean more people are getting sick. What we're trying to do, pretty much the same amount of people are going to get sick no matter what. But what we're trying to do is we're trying to make the bump smaller, but in turn it becomes longer. So the the more the less people get sick right away, as long as it's below the threshold, it's okay because it would shorten the, the length of it. Um, but... I mean, the, with this isolation thing, we're really lengthening the process of phasing out of the sickness, but it is a good thing to make sure that we stay below the threshold. As we mentioned, it's super dangerous to have more people sick than you have hospital beds. So yeah. got to do what we got to do. Yeah. So just another league affected by uh, the circumstances that we're all facing. And uh, with that, we are going to go ahead and move on to some college football. The way too early preseason rankings have been released by the NCAA. Uh, this kind of, uh, when, when, when I look at these preseason, preseason rankings, we obviously take them with a grain of salt. Uh, they use a lot of what happened last year when compiling these rankings, but they also use the incoming recruits uh, to kind of balance it out. So when you look at this top five, we've got Clemson coming in at number one, Ohio State number two, Alabama number three, LSU, the defending national champ at number four, and rounding up the top five, we've got the Georgia Bulldogs. So, not surprisingly, oh, and uh, James is highlighting number six, the Oregon Ducks, but you're no longer a fan of them, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's like an ex-girlfriend. You want (laughs) to see them do well. You wish them the best in life, you know, and uh, it just turns out that their life is not going to be with you. Right, yeah, right. And so. unfortunately, they're, they're doing well right now, which must make it more painful. Um, hopefully, their program tanks. And uh, I'm not bitter, you know. I wish I them all yeah. the best. But it's a, <laughs> I'm a very excited to be covering a local Pac-12 school. Uh, for the Just so you guys know, Hook and Ladder will be able to attend WSU games, and we're going to cover them for you with a special feature. So check us out on Facebook because you're going to want to see game day with Garrison. It's going to be super fun. We're going to be uh, meeting with people who are tailgating and get their feel on the season for the WSU Cougs and see how it's going to go and really just get our pulse on the program as far as the fans feel as well as uh, being able to be in the press box and check out some games. So stay tuned for that footage. But with that being said, best of luck to Oregon who is 
currently ranked number six. But as we know, these preseason rankings don't mean anything. And um, just to see LSU at number four is, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, coach, he could keep those things moving at Orgeron in the right direction. But it was a magical season for them. A lot of players leaving for the NFL. Joe Burrow, obviously, with a historic season. Uh, honestly, one of the best campaigns I've seen from a player that I wasn't uh, necessarily looking at as a Heisman watch. Yeah, you look at LSU as a team last year. Offensively, undoubtedly, they were great. But then you looked at the defense, and they had a lot of good athletes. They're an SEC school, no duh. But they've gotten a lot of shootouts last year uh, throughout the year. So that offense was probably one of the best offenses we've ever seen, probably dating back to, I would say, the Vince Young Texas Longhorns, uh, Matt Leinart and his USC Trojans with all those weapons. Uh, it was that potent. And Joe Burrow, the way he was able to sling the ball all over the field to his uh, couple NFL-bound receivers, might I add. Uh, it, like you said, it was just a magical run. It all fit together at the right time. And uh, nobody could stop them. Nobody really came close other than, as I mentioned, he had a couple shootouts throughout the year. But even when they were in a shootout, it felt like, no, he's going to find a way. LSU will find a way to win this. Don't worry. And uh, we saw that time and time again. Yeah, and uh, excited to see Jamar Chase back in an LSU uniform. But who's going to throw him the ball? That's what remains to be remains to be seen. That's where Coach and, O uh, comes in. Yeah, go Tigers. <laughs> <laughs> Coach O and his, his lovely voice there. Uh, Clemson, it looks like they're taking their place back on the throne. And it's hard, hard to argue against Clemson, you know, the, the success that they've had with good old Dabo Sweeney. Uh, I, Easily one of my favorite coaches in college football. Uh, it's got Trevor Lawrence, a whole bevy of talented receivers there. Yeah, the Justin defense, Ross is coming back. Yeah, you know, uh, they're reloaded and ready to go. That defensive line is just as dangerous as ever. Ohio State at number two, uh, do you think they're deserving? Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, they won't have uh, J.K. Dobbins anymore, uh, but they're going to be a good team. Uh, and they're in a conference that I don't necessarily look at as super strong. So they're going to be able to put up a really, really good record, which all you need is to go undefeated to get into the playoffs. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> as long yeah, as they ske schedule need. easy preseason games or preseason pre-league games, pre-conference games, and then get into uh, the Big Ten and just put in some work, you know. I mean, Michigan State's not who they used to be anymore. Michigan. Michigan's not who they used to be. Uh, we'll never really Wisconsin. became what they were supposed to be. Wisconsin is a great program. Um, but they're never at that level. They will – last year, that was probably the closest we've seen Wisconsin. They rode all the way to the top, but then they just hit a two-week stretch where the wheels fell off. Yeah. Uh, the loss to Illinois out of nowhere. Right. Um, they're it, just built for the Rose Bowl. Yeah, every year <laughs> they've got the right colors for it, too. Um, so, yeah, let, let's kind of stay in the path of college football here. Yeah. Let's talk about the playoff picture, uh, the rules scenario. Do you think that the playoff should, uh, be, you know, the field should grow, Expanded. add more teams? I Okay, so I am a fan of this, but I'm only a fan of this if we're getting certain things from it. Um, I think that there should be non like mega conference i guess these super conferences or whatever non it's a big it's a word it's like there's an actual phrase for it but these yeah. conferences yeah i think it was a super conference right yeah. so these conferences just as long as we can get one team that uh is a, is not from one of these power five conferences right mm -hmm. so if we can assure one team that can get in there and kind of be a dark horse i think that'd be fun i think we've not been able to see that uh when um the coach that's now at Minnesota, P.J. Fleck, was with Western Michigan. They were undefeated, and they were really, really good. And they went to a bowl game, and they beat an SEC team. So with that being said, there's teams out there that you wish you could see play. And then Frost's team, when he was coaching UCF, mm -hmm. they went to a bowl game, and they as well beat a Power 5 school in their bowl game and finished the season undefeated. If we do add more teams, I think there needs to be a stipulation that at least one of those teams needs to be non-Power 5 conference. Uh, but other than that, I do think there are teams that are deserving to be uh, in some sort of playoff, and they just barely miss it because, you know, it, it would really leave more room uh, for teams to make a mistake and still be able to come be competitive. But it's kind of fun knowing that you have to, uh, you know, play your hand 
correctly in order to get into the playoff. There's no uh, no stumbling allowed, as it were. It's almost as if you were watching a 100-meter dash race, and there's no room. You can't mess up in your start. You can't mess up in your drive phase, and you've got to finish well. So, Yeah, so here's my take on the whole thing. I think uh, the field, the, probably the biggest the field should get is eight. Uh, that's the absolute max. Uh, if they wanted to go any bigger than that, you would have to start taking away regular season games, which would only add to that sprinter's mentality that you mentioned. You literally can't mess up. You know, you have those three non-conference games. We would have to just jump right into the conference schedule right off the bat. Uh, so no chance to get your feet under you and kind of figure out how the offense is going to work together. Uh, we, you and I both know, being former players, that the offense is always a little bit behind when you come into a new season. There's mm. a lot of moving pieces. The teamwork isn't always on path, the timing, what have you. Um, so for me, uh, eight is probably the max. And then, as that's like I said, I would be okay with eight but that's when they would have to look at the regular season because you forget these are college kids uh they have classes that they have to stay on top of uh if we go any further we're looking at a almost an nfl schedule uh granted the nfl schedule just got longer which you know can go either way on that but it's um, stupid we just yeah there's no way to go on that (laughs) it's just owners trying to be richer we just got to protect, I think, the college kids' interest, especially how long the season has already gotten. You got 13 regular season games. If you make it to the conference championship, that's another game. And then you've got a bowl game after that. And if you make it to the playoff, you have potentially two extra games, games there. So, so yeah, 14, 14 games. LSU played 15 because they made the championship. So, uh, if we start getting it any longer than that, that's really this pushing it. This tough, yeah. Yeah. I think it would be a great thing, as you mentioned, to get rid of these games where Alabama's playing Georgia Southern yeah. and just, like, taking them the to the woodshed and yeah. just beating the brakes off them. I don't think that's fun for anybody. Now, but something to remember about those games, those schools that you see go out there and throw their kids in harm's way, they get a lot of money for that. And, uh, you know... Mommy needs a new pair of shoes. So. Yeah, the Idaho Vandals played Florida State a few years ago, and they got a couple million out of the deal just to be on TV. So Right. So let's do this. Our way-too-soon college football playoff predictions. Who oh, wow. Wait, you're right. This is way too soon. Uh, you got to put Clemson in there right off the bat. I don't know what – are we doing seeds too? Because that's just getting way – No, just four. Just four? Just four. Just, okay. just I got, four. I've got Clemson. Um, I've got Alabama. How can you go against Alabama? You know, you're, it's like you said, I think Ohio State will be in there just because uh, their schedule it tends to be a little bit more favorable. I think LSU does not make it this time around. You know, they had Joe Burrow. He's not going to be there. Uh, and uh, looking forward, I think uh, it's going to come down to Georgia and Oregon. And I'm going to give Oregon the edge uh, just because they actually, you know what? I'm just stopping myself here as I'm looking at this list we're going down. I'm going to go with Oklahoma uh, instead of Oregon. And the reason I do that is because when you look at the Pac-12, the Pac-12 just has a tendency to screw itself, basically. Uh, some team will drop a game somewhere. Oregon's going to drop a really bad game somewhere on the list, and it's just going to end their hopes. Oklahoma, they play in a lighter conference, in my opinion. There will be a lot of shootouts, but... Uh, they've got a good coach. They always have a good offense. Got to put the Sooners in the top four. Yeah, so, ah, man, that's exactly that's exactly my four as well. And I'll tell you why. I, I guess I'll take a different route because you've made good points and good cases for all those people. Why I don't think number five Georgia will get in. Why I don't think number four LSU will get in. LSU, uh, I don't know who's going to take over for quarterback for them. I don't think there's going to be a lack of weapons. I like their offensive system. But as of right now, I don't know who it's going to be, so I can't put them in. Now, obviously, we're not going to be shackled to these predictions because it's so early in the game. So as quarterbacks begin to come out. And then uh, Spencer Rattler, if you watch the show QB1. I'm uh, actually just watched that today. Season one or season two? Season one. Okay, so season one is players that are currently already in uh, playing college football. And then season two... Uh, season one has Jake Fromm on there. 
Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I misunderstood. I'm on season two, episode one. Okay. Uh, okay. So, perfect. yeah. I got so, to Spencer see Rattler. Yeah, he's the commit Phoenix. to Oklahoma. He, interesting character. Um, he's a competitor, a little bit cocky, but you know how senior and upperclassmen are able to kind of put a kibosh on that right away when you come from a high school where everybody thinks you're the hottest thing that's ever touched the earth, and then you get to a Division One college, they're able to be like, hey, look, buddy, we don't care about your stories. Everybody has the same stories yep. from high school. Everybody was Everybody great. did the same thing you did. Everybody was all this, all that, all conference, all, you know, um, U.S. Army All-American. Been there, done that. There's so many people that are like that at the place, so hopefully he'll be able to come in humble, um, but I'm I, I I hopefully Oklahoma can make that quarterback play well. He's honestly the only quarterback that I know of uh, going in and been able to see film on that that's right now in the top ten schools with quarterbacks that I've seen. So Florida could be a sleeper. Um, Georgia is transitioning quarterbacks, so Florida might be able to do something there. In in but as far as getting two teams from the SEC, I don't see that happening again. So Alabama would have to have another disappointing year in order for Florida to get in. So I would have to go with your four, Garrison. I think that's a great assessment. I, But I'm glad you took Oregon out of there because they are going with a new quarterback, new everything. It's going to be rough for them, I think. I think number six is a kind gesture from the NCAA, but I don't know if it's going to continue the way it did last year. Oh, again, these are way too early predictions, so we have no idea. The NCAA honestly has no idea, uh, and who knows, will we have a season at this point? We think we will. That's just me being a little bit negative there, but we are going to move on to the professional side of things in just a bit. We're going to give a second for our paid sponsorship. Please listen to those ads, by the way. We get 10 cents every time you listen to an ad. Stay tuned. Welcome back, guys. Uh, we just got done talking about uh, the way-too-early college football rankings. Well, now it's time to talk about the way-too-early NFL power rankings. This is post-free agency. The dust has kind of settled a little bit of what the league will be looking like. Uh, so let's get into the numbers. Uh, the NFL dot, NFL.com posted the numbers of their power rankings, and it looks like, uh, James, why don't you dive in a little bit? Sweet. We're going to run through very quickly, and then we'll go back and touch on the top five, possibly top ten if we have time, and then our favorite teams because uh, we deserve to talk about our own teams because it's our podcast, so shut up. Yeah, exactly. Here we go. Starting off with number one, we've got the Kansas City Chiefs, which uh, good on them for winning the Super Bowl. Second, we've got the 49ers. Third, we've got the Ravens. Fourth, we've got the Saints. And five, we've got the Packers. Okay, right away I just want to say that's only in the top five. That's only one AFC team. So NFC is stacked, okay? Just a little there bit. There we go. And number six, we've got Titans. Number seven, we've got uh, Seahawks. Number Ooh. eight, Bills. Number nine, Eagles. I don't know. Number yeah. 10, Steelers. Number 11, Cowboys. Number 12, Bucks. Number 13, Colts. Number 14, Vikings. Number 15, Texans. Number 16, Patriots. Number 17, Rams. Number 18, Falcons. Number 19, Browns. Number 20, Jets. Number 21, Raiders. Number 22, Bears. Number 23, Cardinals. Number 24, Chargers. 25, Broncos. 26, Dolphins. 27, Giants. Oof. 28, Lions. Oof. 29, Bengals. Number 30, Panthers. 31, Redskins. 32, Jaguars. Yikes. So, wow. If your team is mentioned in those latter group, I apologize to you for the offense it is not my fault. Yeah, uh, feel free to drop a comment of where you think your team could be ranked uh, or you're just your favorite team in general. We'd love to create dialogue with you and maybe talk some trash. No, not really. We love you guys. You're but a fan. But, but seriously. Uh, so, James, your 49ers, they're at the cusp of greatness, adding another Super Bowl to their halls of victory. And the second half comes around, and it just doesn't happen. So, fast forward to this year. Where, how do you how do you feel about your team moving into the 2020 season? I feel good. Um, I think that I think that it was a learning opportunity for both offensively for some of the mistakes we made with play calling and how we managed the clock, and as well defensively 
but at the end of the day, you got to just tip your cap to, uh, honestly, the best player in the NFL right now, and that's Patrick Mahomes. And he's got a lot of weapons. They've got a great team and an amazing coach who deserved to win his first Super Bowl. So I feel good about the 49ers. I hope and anticipate we'll be back in the same place playing the same team. That's my that's my way too early prediction. I think the 49ers are going to play the Chiefs again. Oh, wow. Back to back. Yeah. Same thing. Same thing. Um, and you have rumor that you think that another Bosa is going to join the mix yeah, at some so, point. Yeah, uh, so there was a lot of rumor after the playoff game where uh, the Bosa brothers were both there and speaking with John Lynch about the possibility of the future. And uh, I personally, having a brother and playing in a professional environment with him, that was one of the best experiences in my life. And uh, I think that there's money and things to be talked about and opportunity at other franchises that could yield him more money. But at the end of the day, will it yield the same lifetime experience that honestly not a lot of brothers are able to even say? A lot of brothers have played in the league at the same time, but like the McCordy twins, what an experience for them to be able to be on the same roster and even go to a Super Bowl together. That's something that the Bosa brothers have the opportunity to do. Right with the with the way that the franchise is set up right now for the 49ers and being willing to spend big money on D linemen, it's almost a perfect storm for them. So, I yeah. hope. Yeah, he, little bear and big bear. Let's get them yeah, both. You gotta like the setup. Uh, you know, for the 49ers, I think that I mean, why can't they just run it back? You know, and the only thing I think that could be a threat to that is the division that they play in and they just happen to be an NFC team. So uh, the there's a lot of tripping blocks, I guess you could say. Uh, one of them just so happens to be in their own division and that would be my Seattle Seahawks. Now, let me just say, last season was a complete surprise, I think, to all Seahawks fans and to the rest of the NFL, really. I was thinking, okay, maybe we'll win 10 games, maybe we'll win nine, and you know, it'll be a good season, we'll bounce out in the first round of the playoffs, but we really need to add something. And then we go on to win almost 12 games. It came down to that last game in, well, the game before that game, because we slipped up and lost to the Cardinals mm -hmm. the week before we played the 49ers, but... If we had beaten the Cardinals like we should have and came rolling into that game, we both would have been sitting at 12-3, and three, uh, and it would have been an all-out battle for who becomes the number one seed to represent our division. Um, to me, the Seahawks are working on re-signing Clowney to keep him on the team. I think he adds that uh, extra kick, if you would, on that defensive front. And then you look offensively at Russell Wilson... It, He's just, he's the guy. He's I mean, good what, as it gets. Yeah. What else can I say? And at first, when we signed him to that $140 million contract, I was, was kind of like, what are we doing? That is, why, do, why does he need that much money? We can spread it around and get him more weapons. But then I see the production that he puts forward. And if, could you imagine how bad this team would be if he wasn't on this team? It would be a joke. Um, it's probably a similar record to the Cardinals. Probably, yeah. Well, depending on which quarterback they got in there, but... Sure, sure. Yeah. But in any case, you look at the offseason moves they've made thus far. We've added some offensive linemen to the uh, to the rotation that are veteran offensive linemen, proven successful track records. Uh, that's going to help us uh, on offense. We need to add, I think, some depth at running back because uh, Marshawn Lynch, as much as I love the guy, I don't think he's going to be the guy that's going to carry the ball 20, 30 times in a game anymore. Uh, so we need to add a little bit more depth and punch there. Uh, maybe throw in some. We got DK Metcalf. I'm really excited about his future. He already he who's already an NFL built yeah, he, receiver. Yeah, he's like a young Megatron. He's a freak. Yeah. Yeah. Defensively, we've got some pieces. We've got you know Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright are quite the duo. The secondary is getting a little bit better as we add more experience. So I think the Seahawks and John Schneider, the GM, he continuously has this team. In, a, in the mix, yeah. in the mix, you know, even if we have a down year, so uh, I think my Seahawks are ready to come back and um, be a thorn in the side, if you would, of the 49ers. I don't think we're as talented, but uh. yeah, I think that it's uh, it's great to see the rivalry be back alive. You know, you mm -hmm. guys beat us at home and we beat you at home. It's just fun, yeah, fun stuff. That that and, uh, uh, that first game. It, it, 
at your guys' place was one of the best games of the year. Yeah, and I think if you really look at the 49ers, the way that they played the entire season, every single game was competitive at the end, except the Super Bowl, um, yeah. which, you know, even though it was, a, it was a great game, don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. um, but obviously not really in striking distance when the last seconds ticked away. Like every single one of their losses was a last-second loss. So uh, I think that that growing process in having – that is going to be really good for our guys because uh, it could do well. I guess it could be good. It could do one of two things. It could really break you or it can make you. And I think that we've got the character in the locker room to bounce back. You know, you've got guys talking about revenge tour uh, minutes after the Super Bowl. Don't even take a moment to be sad. They're just saying, I can't wait to get back to work and come in and work hard to get myself right back to where I'm at. And, uh, you know, though that, that Kansas City Chiefs team, um, honestly, a team of destiny with the comebacks that they had mm-hmm. in that playoff run. So there's no no uh, lack of confidence on that end for those guys, um, as well as, uh, you know, just tip your caps. As I said before, they're, they're a great team. And they've been in the playoffs before, and they've lost mm-hmm. before. You know, they've played the Patriots and uh, played the likes of Tom Brady. So they've, they've been in their own battles prior to that season, which the 49ers had not. So it was a good opportunity for us to learn and grow, and I'm excited. So just so you guys know... Seahawks come in at 7, Niners come in at 2. Go ahead and drop your teams below uh, in the comments section. If you're listening on Anchor, send us a voice message. We want to hear what your thoughts are on your team and uh, where uh, maybe some problems are. And even if you have a question, we'd love to discuss your team and really break it down uh, for for what it looks like for your team in the future. So, yeah. so before we move on, uh, there's a couple of other teams that kind of jump out to me. It's just very surprising to see the Titans at number six, James, would you do me a favor and uh, read a little bit of what that paragraph says about their free agent moves? And- yeah, absolutely. It says, with a new deal for Ryan Tannehill and the franchise tag for Derrick Henry, the Titans will enter the 2020 campaign with two players who guided them to the brink of an AFC title, including playoff conquest in Foxborough in January. Uh, you know, quick aside, what? congrats to free agent Logan Ryan, who can always say he has intercepted Tom Brady's final pass in the mm-hmm. Patriots. So that's interesting for him. So congrats to him on that. And not all the news was good in the first wave of free agency, though. Right tackle Jack Conklin, a former top 10 pick who routinely blew open running lanes for Henry, is now in Cleveland. So good move oh, for Cleveland. Wow. So coming off a monster 2019 workload and absent of a key run blocker, it's, it's a fair to wonder if a dip in production is coming for Henry. But he's an amazing running back. Um, my goodness, I've never seen one built like him. Yeah, well, I think uh, that brings up an excellent, I guess, I guess a big concern for the Titans is the reason I think Henry was so successful is that his, deep, his offensive line would take out the first level, and then sometimes his linemen would were able to creep into the second level and get linebackers and whatnot. Um, when Henry picks up ahead of steam, it's good luck trying to tackle him, basically, even if you're a linebacker uh, in the NFL. But when I look at the Titans team as a whole, are they really deserving of that number six spot? I think the way that they played last year proves something about the locker room, which is something uh, that translates to wins, as we've seen with teams with really good rosters and offseason moves that didn't translate to wins last year. I think that it's good that the NFL rankings are leaning more towards culture and and big wins, not necessarily the stats. So uh, if they can play football the way they did, which is a grind it out, keep their defense off the field, and uh, run the ball down your throat, they could they could win some games because not a lot of teams are built to stop that. Yeah. Uh, you do worry about the workload that will be on Henry next year. Hopefully they find uh, or they have other pieces that are going to be able to spell him at times. Uh, and the, fortunately for them, they do play in a pretty weak division, although the Colts did just add Phillip Rivers, so it'll be interesting to see if the Colts will become more of a threat. Uh, another team you kind of touched on was the Eagles. You were surprised to see them slip in at number nine. Yeah, I was super surprised to see that just because of the inconsistencies as far as the wide receiver position goes and uh, trying to find who their go-to guy is going to be. Obviously, Carson Wentz carried them last year. I think he's a great quarterback. If he can stay healthy, that's a good thing. They picked up Robbie Anderson from uh, the New York Jets. He's a deep threat, um, but... I didn't think if they needed a deep threat. 
last year. They needed someone who could catch a dig route or catch a slant over the middle right. and have good hands and run an out route and, and catch the ball. They, you've got a lot of body catchers, and I think Robbie Anderson, you can go ahead and throw him in that category as well. Not necessarily jumping off the charts as far as like a possession receiver goes. Yeah. So we'll see as they continue in camp. There's a, Possession receivers, I feel, uh, they're out there. They've just got to be able to go find them and sign them. So we'll see. And uh, another surprising thing with all the hype for the Bucks, the Bucks do jump seven spots, but they're still only at 12. So not even the NFL is completely sold on the 43-year-old Tom Brady move right now. Um, they were able to re-sign Indominus Sue, which is a big move for them defensively on the inside, but we'll see. And follow closely right behind there is the Colts who have been making off-season moves this entire time, obviously trading for some great defensive linemen uh, from our team, uh, the 49ers, and we won't even mention his name because it hurts to say it. DeForest Buckner. Anyways, uh. <laughs> anyways, the one, another team I'm really surprised by is Cleveland, all the way down at number 20. Uh, don't or 19, excuse me. Sorry, I was a little off there. And they've that they've jumped up four spots. Don't get me wrong, they played awful last year. But I also think they've made some excellent signings. They just mentioned Conklin being signed from uh, Tennessee. Uh, that's going to give for, uh, Baker Mayfield some more time in the pocket. Uh, if they can give Baker Mayfield a pocket, I think Cleveland is going to be a lot more of a threat than people realize. Will they win their division? No. Um, I, I could see them pushing 10 wins, though. Well, if he's able to to really mix the ball and spread the ball around and get his key targets touches, right? Yeah, the he problem, only has Odell and the, Jarvis Landry. The problem last year was is just the, the the lack of touches for Odell Beckham Jr. that re, that resulted in play like big plays was astounding. That they were unable to find ways to get him and Jarvis the ball. Now, if it turns out that perhaps Baker is the the problem with the distribution of the football, Case Keenum is not a bad quarterback. We've seen right. him go deep in the playoffs with the Vikings. So, yeah, no, the good signing with Case Keenum. They also brought in a pretty talented tight end in Austin Hooper, who can be another security blanket for the likes of Mayfield or Keenum, depending on how it goes. And they've already got David Njoku, who's one of the most bright biggest bright spots as far as tight ends go he just uh, went out with an injury last year so uh we'll see how cleveland does yeah so it's a it's an exciting time to have uh these thought processes about these teams i'm excited to see where the rest of free agents land i want to know uh you know shout out to sarah bettinger of predominantly orange and fan sided it's a website where you can go and check out uh, you know, beat writers for your NFL teams. But Sarah Benninger, a friend of mine who writes for uh, the Denver Broncos, talked about Cam Newton's a pretty good option for mm. the Denver Broncos, who right now are just looking at Drew Locke. So, I agree. I agree. And uh, I think that team and that community would rally around a guy like that. Um, he's a fun player to have. Gets he, the kids excited. He does his Superman you know? thing. Yeah, his dab. Yeah. Uh, I do think he's a little too old for that, but hey, whatever. Um, hey, he's <laughs> he's hip. He totally, totally, and he's gonna throw out his hip if he continues to try to run the ball so dang much. He needs to learn to stay in the pocket a little bit more. But yeah, the NFL season is. I was gonna say rapidly approaching, but let's be real, it's not. Uh, everything's kind of on hold still. But, uh, hey, it's still fun to talk about. So we've got a few uh, other things before we end the show. For instance, uh, Major League Baseball is making hospital masks and gowns instead of jerseys uh, because of the coronavirus pandemic. So, again, just another example of people rallying together and helping. Right, yeah, exactly. And um, I'm glad that uh, they were able to pass some legislation that because previously only certain companies were able to make medical gear because of contracts with the government, which is shady. Good old government. But now free enterprise, people are able to make those things. So. Oh, I just got a text from the FBI saying to shut up. No, I'm kidding. Um, no laughter. Okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, last thing I want to bring up because I'm a little salty uh, of how my starting five. Uh, just got brushed aside, really, in the audience vote. Uh, James Oates' team, his starting five came out. And for the people who haven't listened, James, what, who was your starting five? My starting five was Steph Curry, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Giannis Antetokounmpo, which was a close pick between him and uh, 
some other players like AD or even people hitting me up saying, what about Carl Malone? And just so you guys know, Garrison and I, we're both mulling this over, but it was also a, a freestyle and we're not just picking just based off people, but matchups. Uh, so it was an interesting way to pick. Go back and listen to the last podcast. But anyways, Giannis was my four and Shaq was my five. So And my starting five, which people uh, haven't been as receptive to, was Steve Nash. What does it matter? What does it matter? We'll talk about that in a second. Steve Nash, Michael Jordan, uh, the GOAT, what, need I say more, uh, Kawhi Leonard, Tim Duncan, another GOAT, and then uh, Hakeem Olajuwon. So that was the one that people uh, weren't as big of a fan of. And the announcement is that we are going to do a live stream of NBA 2K where we're going to pick our teams and then we're going to duke it out on on the big screen. Are we going to play it on the big screen or do you want to yeah, do it? Yeah, we're going to play it on the big screen. I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Shut up, Arnold. Yeah, yeah, all the questions that you have about which team is better will be answered with a classic 1v1 2K game. Uh, well, it's actually 5v5, but you get it. We're just one player versus one player. Never yeah, mind. Yeah. And, uh, we'll that... be answering this question. Who is your daddy and what does he do? That's right. We're going to find out who's <laughs> whose daddy and who's the one who puts their money where their mouth is. So we're going to be live streaming that on our Facebook page. So make sure you follow us on Facebook, Hook and Ladder with Hardy and Notes on Facebook. Like the page, subscribe, smash it, share it. Do what you've got to do to make sure that you and your friends get to find out as we put a rest to this debate. Yep, and we will let you guys know, obviously, when we are planning to do that. Uh, just kind of to, how's tomorrow work? No, kidding. Um, we'll, we'll keep you guys posted on our Facebook page. Just follow for updates. Uh, this has been episode number five of The Hook and Ladder. We thank you guys for your support. Again, if you want to be a monthly supporter, Anchor has a spot where you can do that. Any little bit would help. It does take a lot of work to put this content together and come up with this stuff. Uh, And again, just your support would be appreciated. Other than that, like our page and uh, stay tuned, guys. This has been The Hook and Ladder with Hardy. And Oates. I'm the party pooper. And Arnold Schwarzenegger, apparently. Thanks so much.